I am your best friend. I am your only <laughs> friend. I am your best friend. It's D. Scott Crook. Welcome back to HR's Best Friend, our new podcast for HR professionals and business leaders who want to make sure they stay compliant and don't get in trouble and keep their employees happy. D. Scott Crook is the Utah employment lawyer. He's consistently listed in Rocky Mountain Super Lawyers and Best Lawyers in America. He is the managing partner of Crook Legal Group. Scott is only, pra- is only licensed to practice law in Utah and Idaho. He is not giving you specific legal advice. This shouldn't be construed as legal advice for your problem. If you need specific legal advice, please go to an attorney. <sighs> so much to say. Preferably this attorney. How are you doing, Dad? I am I'm doing well, and thank you for the great introduction. You're welcome. I feel empowered to keep doing the song because <laughs> we got good feedback from a client who enjoyed uh, the, the, the most recent episode that we did. We're trying to do these on a weekly basis, but, you know, life gets busy and we have so many clients. Yeah, I am an employment lawyer and I'm trying to help <laughs> those clients get stuff done. So, um, so I will do our your... best. Thank you, audience, for your patience. Yes. Eventually, we'll start doing live version of these two because that's a feature that our software has. That would be fun. So today, today we have some good stuff. So we have a couple of current events that I wanted you, Dad, to weigh in on. Uh, one is something that the NLRB did. Uh, one is some stuff that was going down at Walmart. And then we're going to play again, illegal, actionable, immoral, and or moral. Even though it's a very confusing game. Okay. <laughs> People liked it. So yeah, we're going okay. to keep, keep playing it. And uh, okay. I love this one. This one is so funny. I mean, I guess it's not funny to the people it happens to, but. Yeah. I just like that I can, you know, exercise judgment, at least in some of my answers, <laughs> meaning. I really think this is a bad thing that you did. Whether it's legal or not is another question. So, and then we have a couple of, yeah, then we have a couple of eight, uh, Reddit questions from the subreddit Human Resources that always has tons of good questions that people actually deal with, and then sometimes get bad advice from Reddit to do something about. But here we are. The Utah employment lawyer is here to actually answer these questions appropriately. Uh, so let's start off with the NLRB. And since we do a, you know, this is, we do this both video and audio. I'm going to go ahead and just pull up the actual decision here. Not that. Well, it, it's not a decision. It's uh, what's, it's a proposed rule. So... And that's why you, that is why you <laughs> are the Utah employment lawyer. And I am just. The marketing operations guy so take it away so october 26th the national labor relations board um issued a proposed rule that's supposed to go into effect december 26th so they're they'll it's still not in effect um so merry christmas um <laughs> you get to have um you get to deal with this um employers get to deal with this uh issue so the national, just so for those who aren't 
entirely familiar with it. The National Labor Relations Board is the pol is the policy and um, administrative agency that deals with and enforces and provides guidance about the National Labor Relations Act, which is the federal act that governs collective bargaining, um, union. Um, uh, union rights of employees. And so um, when the Biden administration uh, came into um, office, there was a um, shift in focus from um, a more to a more employee friendly and union friendly um, environment. And so this this proposal um, deals with that. And, and the proposal is just simply, um, it says, okay, um, that the National Labor Relations Board is now going to use this rule to determine whether uh, two businesses are considered joint employee and uh, joint employers of an employee. Okay. In other words, will they be considered the same? Will the, will the employee be considered an employee? an employee of two different businesses and why this matters is um, this comes up in, in, in sort of uh, two and, and more situations, but typically in two situations. One, if a company uses a staffing agency, for instance, they use um, instead of directly employing the employers, they go through a staffing agency and the staffing agency does all the HR functions for that employer. The second time it comes up um, a lot is in franchise, franchisee franchisor um, relationships. So, you know, you, let's say that you're, you know, working for um, Bob's Night School of Law um, franchise um, that's been uh, set up all throughout the United States. Um, in those relationships, you'll have a franchisor who's trying to control the quality and content of what's happening in each of the franchises um, that um, that are out there. And, and of course, franchises are independently owned. And so the question is, how much control is exercised by the franchisor over the employee? And um, so joint employment um, if if you meet certain requirements, can mean that the employer employee is actually considered an employee of both the um, the franchisor and the franchisee, or the staffing company and the um, employer. And this rule is kind of a big deal. The rule change is kind of a big deal because what it says is, um, they they typically look at seven different um questions to determine whether someone's a joint employer um in the past they've looked at it in total and kind of did an evaluation and said okay if we look at this as a whole does this appear to be an a joint employer relationship well what this new rule proposes is that you only have to actually show that and um a business directly or indirectly reserves the right to control one of the seven areas. So what that would mean is if if um, it it 
that can vastly expand the number of joint employer relationships. So why does that matter? Well, for purposes of the National Labor Relations Act, that means, let's say one of the franchisees um, commits a violation of the National Labor Relations Act. In, in fact, um, uh, does something to um, illegally interfere with the collective bargaining rights of an employee. Well, now the franchisor is on the hook too. Even though the franchisee didn't talk to the franchisor about it, didn't consult with the franchisor about it, and did it on its own, now both are on the hook. It also can mean like um, if there's some collective action going on where, for instance, some people want to unionize at a franchisee or at a staffing agency. Now the question is um, how much of that um, collective bargaining is going to go up to the, to the employer. So, it can have a huge impact. And so it's important um, to follow. And if you have uh, employees who are part of a union, that can impact you. But also, even if you don't have employees who are part of a union, if you have certain handbook restrictions that violate the act, um, or if a franchisee has certain handbook restrictions that, um, that, uh, affect or impact the um, the collective bargaining rights of employees, you can get in trouble as a, a franchisor. So you just have to, it just it creates significant more liability. So it would be wise for businesses to consult with their favorite Utah employment lawyer about the potential impacts? Yes, because this can have a significant impact. Okay. Good to know. Wow. It's amazing how complicated all of this is. Yeah, it is. And that's the thing that even though, I mean, and you say that most people understand that Utah's not will employment state, but that still doesn't mean that you can just have any policy you want. Um, employees can collectively bargain. They're protected in doing so. And if you have, you know, a handbook provision that you think is just fine because you think uh, we shouldn't have any problems that can really come back to, to bite you. Um, a, a perfect example might be, I'll just give you an example. Sometimes people will have a handbook provision that says no employee can tell any other employee what their um, wage is or what their salary is. Well, that's presumptively violation of the National Labor Relations Act. And so... What, um, if they, uh, what if it's not in the handbook and they just tell people not to tell each other? Yeah, that's a violation. Um, but of course, that... That only applies to non-management employees, so they could tell management employees that they can't do that. But but um, if they try to apply it to just the uh, uh, non-management employees, that would be a violation. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So we and of course that's just one example. Not to right. interrupt you. No, no. It's it's basically your podcast, so you can do whatever yeah. you want to me on the air all right how about stop singing just kidding <laughs> <laughs> no the the customer feedback is positive on the singing okay so right. it, we may there may be even more singing in the future but in fact okay. we could probably have artificial intelligence um create 
a musical for us out of these transcripts and then we could just sing the whole well, thing i wonder if it could do the auto auto tuning them that would be interesting <laughs> anyway i don't know i don't know how to imitate that nlrb yeah. nlrb <laughs> um <laughs> that would be that would be interesting it's like in the office episode where they auto-tune andy that's in like the last yeah, season so it's not that good of a season yeah. but that was kind of a funny part um oh no the funniest sorry this is off topic but the funniest auto-tune thing ever was um that episode of modern family where Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was great. And he says, "Some sick guy auto tuned me." <laughs> <laughs> yes, anyway. that that was really funny. But the bet the greatest use of auto tune ever was the NBA commercial. Yeah. Um, about ten years ago. Well, they had a few more. of them. Like one of them was defense. You know, those yes, are really the defense. Cool. The defense auto-tune one was the best use of auto-tune um, auto ever. In yeah, my it's going to be weird when I create the chapters for this episode and there's like two minutes about auto-tune. <laughs> I'm sorry. sorry. No, no, it's funny. I mean, look, the, the point of the podcast is for it to be fun. So it's fun. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's move on to... Uh, Let's see. We've been going for 13 minutes, so I think we're going to skip over. We'll do this. We were going to talk about what happened to Walmart. I think we'll do that next time. And let's dive okay, that's into, fine. Yeah. And let's dive into um, the illegal, actionable, immoral, or moral. So okay. this is what happened. In 2021, there was a restaurant that brought in a man who appeared to be a priest during work hours and asked employees if they want to do a confession to help with mental health. But the priest asked strange work-related questions, unlike a normal confession. And so this, this restaurant's in big trouble with the government <laughs> because they used a fake priest to, this is why I said it's funny, they used a fake priest to get people to admit to things like stealing supplies and stuff. So anyway, is that, is bringing in a fake priest to, to get, um, to get confessions to workplace infractions illegal? actionable immoral and or normal and i can already tell you it's not normal <laughs> yeah that's pretty i mean this is like one of those things where you say why do you even need a lawyer involved in this why do you even need any analysis but but the fact is it is illegal um for about a hundred reasons <laughs> and particularly in this case it's immoral um, I could probably try, but let me give you, let me, let me start with just a few. So title seven. Yeah, I know. But, but there are all kinds of implications, for instance, with title seven, which is the anti-discrimination 
um, uh, provisions of the Civil Rights Act, which, of course, you have the, um, whether this was mandatory or not, you may have some implication on religious liberty. Like, um, you, you can't discriminate against people because of their religion. And so the fact that you have this um, uh, <laughs> this fake priest there um, that is supposed to be taking confessions could put some undue pressure on people to go to the priest, but also <laughs> um, it could sort of... Um, it could it could implicate you know some You're pressure all, to be Christian. Um, to work at this restaurant, you are all Catholic now. Yes, and <laughs> um, the other and and also there can be discrimination based on you know national origin or race because of the pressure and it, and also the thing was that the priest spoke Spanish. Right. And so it was mostly targeted at the Spanish speaking employees. And the other reason you look like you could be Mexican. Do you want to talk to the priest? Yeah, that would be, I mean, (laughs) that's awful. And, uh, and then the, the, um, the other thing was that this was started, this started during an, uh, a department of labor investigation about work conditions and so they used <laughs> they used this to sort of pressure employees to not um, work with the Department of Labor, and also used it to find out who it was that had actually reported to the Department of Labor, and then retaliated against them. So, I mean, just in that, just in my description, we're talking about at least a dozen <laughs> violations. And so it's, I mean, I remember when I was in law school, my first few days, I would read these cases and I would go, there is no way I will ever have to deal with a case like this. And, um, and then I went and started practicing and I thought, wow, those cases were not, not as crazy as some of the cases I have to deal with because this kind of stuff is remarkably thing uh, something that happens more often than you would guess. Well, okay. So moving on to the uh, next. Um, so, okay. So basically, yeah, everything around, if, if you bring a fake priest in, that's bad. So don't do that. Now, yes. there was something else in the story. There's not much left to say on that but there was something else in the story um it said prosecutors said that the owners had also illegally paid managers through the employee tip pool right what so illegal actionable immoral or i think it was immoral or moral but normal i think works better so illegal actionable immoral or normal it was that's illegal that's actionable and it is immoral in a lot of ways but I can see how people could try and justify it. But um, interesting note that you probably wouldn't pick up on that employment lawyers would is that they said prosecutors. Generally, uh, Fair Labor Standards Act is you can be criminally prosecuted, but generally that's not going to happen as long if you're, you know, if you're just making having run of the mill problems with, um, your employees it's it it takes a lot before there's a criminal action brought under the uh, fair labor standards act 
the fact that they say prosecutors um, suggests, you know, there's a lot going on here. But having said that, tip pools um, are a whole area we could spend hours on talking about, but tip pools are not to be used for management. Tip, tip pools are to allow employers to, to pay um, tipped staff actually less than the normal um, minimum wage and then make it up through the use of tips um, so that they can get to the actual minimum wage. And um, to be a true tip uh, pool, you cannot, um, you cannot, in fact, um, have any management participation in that. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Moving on to Reddit questions. I'll go ahead and split. Uh, I'll share my screen. I haven't been mad enough to split my screen in a while. <laughs> so here we go. So this one is titled Holiday Entitlement. Split the year. So it says, I have a member of staff that never takes any holiday unless pretty much forced. The result in a large block. This, oh, I'm sorry. This results in a large block to be used up during our busy period towards the end of the year, which is difficult for a small business. Can we split the year and make the employee take half the holiday by June? Else they lose their days. I don't want them to lose annual leave, but this has been going on for years and it makes things very difficult. So I'm looking for a way to make sure they spread out their days like the rest of us. Kind of sounds like this person might be in the UK or something, just based on their English. But uh, we'll uh, pretend this is a Utah thing. And yeah, and, and it's important that it that I, it's very clear that I'm talking about Utah only here because every state is different on on leave entitlement. For instance, in Nevada or Colorado, um, there are actually statutes that require certain the use of leave and that govern some of that. But Utah does not. I mean, Utah has some regulations that say if you're human resource manual provides, or if you, um, require a lot, um, provides for you to pay out leave when someone leaves and you don't do that, that that can impact, um, unemployment. But other than that, there's really nothing there. And, okay. and again, I'm not talking about public employer employers either. So, um, there are some different statutes and regulations that might apply or policies that might apply, but, in any event, um, the question is a little confusing because I think they're using holiday pay interchangeably with annual leave or personal leave. Okay. To the extent, and so I'm going to answer that in two different ways. One, if they're talking about holiday leave, it would be very strange, this question, because you wouldn't you wouldn't accumulate holiday leave. You just use that leave on the holiday, right? Um, and so it, it is possible. It is somebody outside of the United States who's talking about this because holiday um, has a little bit of a different meaning in yeah. the UK. But uh, annual leave, if you're talking about annual leave, the fact is in Utah, you can make your policy any anything you want. You don't even have to provide annual leave in Utah. 
And so if you were to force somebody to use their leave or lose it, you would be fine. Um, and um, so when fact, you say leave, are you talking about vacation time? Yeah, vacation okay. time. Okay. So you don't have to provide vacation time as an employer um, and you can regulate it entirely. Now, um, when I say that, I have to do a caveat because employment law is very, I mean, is very complex and it does have some impact on, uh, for instance, overtime computation, that sort of thing. But um, the fact is that you can, you can force employees to use uh, vacation time any way you want them to in Utah. Okay. So then if, if you've interpreted this correctly and if it's in Utah, the answer is yes, you can force them to. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. You might not like that. <laughs> right. Well, and they, they won't. Might. I mean, the fact is they won't, but the, but, but, you know, it is a benefit. You have to have some parameters. Employers really have to, especially in small businesses, if you have employees trying to group their vacation time and then use it whenever they want, it can really impact the business. And so right. um, employers are entirely free in Utah to, to regulate that. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Let's move on to uh, Reddit question number two. This is a question about a remote employee. So I have an employee in a U.S. state working remotely. We don't conduct business there. This person just works from that state. It's Florida. There's an e-verify certification requirement now. Does it apply to our company because that one employee lives there? Do I need to e-verify this employee even though they've been with the company for a decade just because they're now in Florida? Yeah, so this is an important um, issue that most people don't get. And remote work is a big, big deal now because of COVID and and, and now people use it more flexibly. The fact is, if you have a remote employee, the side of the jurisdiction governs everything, all the employment law with respect to that employee. So the answer to that question is yes. You would have to e you would have to e-verify in Florida if your employee is working in Florida. Um if that's really what the Florida statute requires, I don't know. I'm not a Florida lawyer, so I don't know if that's really if the description is accurate. But I can tell you this: that if um, if you only have one employee in Texas, you have to follow Texas law when and when applied that to uh, the Texas employee. You don't have to apply it to your Utah employees, but you do have to apply it to Texas. And it also means you have to pay workers' compensation in that state. It also means you have to follow the Utah, I mean the states um, and uh, withholding requirements, um, you are an employer for purposes of that state. Yeah, I. this is one of the things we've talked about that I actually have experienced a little bit because I had a resume company and I hired everyone remotely. So I had an employee in Oregon. Uh, I didn't end up hiring them in Washington, thankfully. Oregon, Idaho, Utah, Ohio. And it was so complex because... Yeah. I had to juggle, I had to file taxes in every single one of those states. So remote is yeah. great. I would never, I would never hire, I'd never do that again. It's so hard if you're a small business to do. 
Yeah, and I mean, it is the the fact is that, well, for instance, we 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 have a lot of uh, we have a lot of remote employees, but one of the requirements is we're licensed in Utah and Idaho. One of the requirements is that you can do remote work, but you just have to be in the state of Utah or in Idaho to do it. Now, I can make an exception for that if I want to take on the risk, but that's simply because I don't want to have to deal with all of the regulations. For instance, the when we talked about vacation time just a minute ago, if that remote employee was in Colorado, my vacation um, vacation would have to be different for the Colorado employee as opposed to Utah, because Colorado has statutes that specifically apply. So everything is affected um, when you when you employ somebody outside of your state. Yeah, and I didn't know that at the time, and it cost me a lot of time and money. Yes. So, yeah. Okay. Learned. And it's amazing. You had a dad who was an employment lawyer, and you didn't ask him. Crazy. Well, forgive me for thinking that things should be simple. <laughs> you know what? If oh. I want, if I want to hire somebody somewhere, why do I have to go through all of their crazy stuff? You know, and then you forget to file taxes in Oregon, even though you only owed like ten dollars, and all of a sudden you're getting letters that say we have a lien on you because you owe us tens of thousands of dollars when you really don't, but they just send it to scare you. It's it's hard to be a business owner. It is. But anyway, on that note, <laughs> we're done. Thank right. you for listening to HR's Best Friend. We'll hopefully be back in just a week. Uh, if we're not, it will happen sooner rather than later. But thanks for listening. Uh, remember to uh, rate and subscribe if you would like to do that. It helps us. And tell your, your friends and your family if your family is also interested in employment law and HR things. All right. Thanks. All right. We'll talk to you guys later.